1: Jesus seems to be saying to us today what more what more could I have done abide in me rest in me find refuge in me as the branch abides in the vine so abide in me that's Pastor Mark Finley and
0: this is Hope Lives 365 at Hope Lives 365 we believe God answers prayer If you'd like somebody to pray with you, keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365.
1: Jesus was facing the greatest trial of his life. Before him lay the agony of Gethsemane, the betrayal of Judas, the farce of the trial, the mockery of the mob, the rejection of the Jewish priests, the brutal treatment of the Roman soldiers, the bloody mess of the cross, worst of all, hanging there bearing the guilt, shame, condemnation, and the penalty of sin for all humanity. Jesus' mental and physical and his spiritual agony are incomprehensible for the human mind to understand. There is also another fact, and that is the brutal treatment that he had just been through in the trial. And in the midst of his greatest agony, on the way to Gethsemane, he was thinking not of the betrayal, not of the denial, not of the nails through his hands, not of the crown of thorns upon his head, not of the beating, not of his physical suffering, not of his mental agony, not of what he would experience on the cross. He was thinking about one thing. How could he strengthen his disciples for the challenges and trials ahead? The selfless, loving Jesus was reaching out to those disciples. And here on some of those last days of Jesus' life, in the midst of his greatest agony, on the way to the cross, he was thinking about his disciples ...and he shared some of the most profound truths in Scripture... ...about growing in Christ. Now, please take your Bible and turn to John the 15th chapter. John 15 is tucked away in the Gospel of John... ...between chapters 14 and 16. Three chapters on the Holy Spirit. When you come to John chapter 17... ...you have Jesus' great intercessory prayer... And from 18 onward, the arrest in Gethsemane and the crucifixion. But it's John 15 that we want to spend time meditating on this morning. And looking there at the first eight verses, we begin with John chapter 15 and verse 1. And notice Christ's statement, John 15 verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. This is the seventh and last of Jesus' I AM statements. In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes seven I AM statements. And to understand the last of these statements, it's necessary for us to look at each of the I AM statements of Jesus. Seven great I AM statements in the Gospel of John. And the one in John 15 is the climax of these I AM statements. So let's go back and look at each one of them. John chapter 6 and verse 48. Now the question one needs to raise is, why seven I am statements in John? Seven represents completeness or perfection. So the seven I am statements deal with the perfect work of Jesus in the human life of the Christian. But why are these I am statements in the Gospel of John? It is because the Gospel of John was written to prove the divinity of Jesus Christ. And you remember in Exodus chapter 3, at the experience of the burning bush, when God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush, he says, I am the I am. So the expression I am, in fact, in the Greek language of the New Testament, it's ego eimi, which means the self-existent one, the one who never had a beginning, the one who never had an ending. The one who is eternal, the one who is all-knowing, the one who is all-powerful, the one who is equal with God. So Jesus claims to be the I am seven times in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the I am. I am the one who's existed from eternity. I am the one who will exist to eternity in the future. I am. What does he mean by those I am statements? Let's look at each one of them. Seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. We look first at John chapter 6 and verse 48. John 6 is that famous sermon, that renowned sermon on the bread of life. And in John 6, verse 48, the scripture puts it this way: the first of the seven I am statements. Jesus says in John 6, 48, I am the bread of life. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, what is he saying? He's saying, I can meet every one of your needs. I am the only one that can truly satisfy. You may be looking to material values to satisfy. You may be looking at the finances you have in the bank to satisfy. You may be looking for a love to satisfy. But what Jesus is saying is, just like bread nourishes our souls, I am the one who existed from eternity. I am the one who will exist from eternity. I am the one that can satisfy your deepest needs. The next I am statement is John 8 verse 12. John 8 verse 12, seven I am statements of Jesus. John 8 verse 12, Jesus says, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. What does light do? What does light do, everybody? It chases away darkness. So what is Jesus saying here? In the darkness of your life, when you're going through the darkest shadow, look to me. I am the light of the world. When you've been diagnosed with cancer, when you've gone through divorce, when your finances have gone bust, When you're confused about the future, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Light dispels darkness, and we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus is there illuminating our darkness. He is there to give us guidance. He's there to give us direction in our lives. Third great I am statement of Jesus. This I am, the one that's existed from all eternity, can meet the deepest needs of the human heart. He is the bread of life that satisfies our souls. He is the light that illuminates our darkness. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, third I am statement of the seven I am statements of Jesus. John 10, we're looking at verse 7, 8, and 9, but particularly verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now what a strange expression. I am the door. What is he talking about? I am the door. What he's saying is this. I can unlock the mysteries of your future. When every door seems locked for you, when you don't know what direction to go, Jesus says, I, the one who existed from eternity, the one who never had a beginning and will never have an ending, I, the all-powerful, all-knowing Christ, I am the door. I will open every door for you so you can walk through in the name of Jesus. And then he's saying, I am the door of your salvation. There is no other. Fourth, I am statement of Jesus, John 10. The first one, Jesus says, I satisfy your deepest needs. Second one, Jesus says, I'm the light in your darkness. The third one, Jesus says, I am the door of eternity for you. Fourth one, John 10, verse 14. John 10, verse 14. And Jesus here uses that marvelous illustration of the Good Shepherd. And here, Jesus says, I am the one that's existed from eternity. I am the Good Shepherd. What does the shepherd do? The shepherd guides. The shepherd directs his sheep. And the shepherd will even sacrifice his life for his sheep. Some time ago, I was with our international television cameras, and we were out at Laodicea, and we were taping a new television program at Laodicea. Laodicea is a marvelous archaeological site. When I first began to go there, it was unexcavated. I loved it. It was wild. Now the University of Pamukkale is excavating Laodicea. Laodicea, of course, is in Turkey. And when I went there, one of the first times, it was wild. And we were taping this television program by a Roman aqueduct, and it began to rain. And so we fled under this Roman aqueduct, and we were sitting there trying to get out of the chill of the rain. And I heard these feet coming, and the feet ran up, and then I smelled something. (laughs) It wasn't a nice smell, it was like manure. And the manure boots of the man, who had the manure on his boots, he came running, he was an old shepherd, and he sat next to me under this aqueduct. Of course, he didn't speak any English, but I have my Turkish guide there. So I said, let's talk to this guy. And so I said, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm a shepherd. And I said to him, well, a shepherd? How long you been guiding sheep out here? And he said, for 20 years I've been out here guiding sheep. I said, what's the most difficult challenge you face? He said, loneliness, loneliness. He said, the nights are so long. And he said, I'm so incredibly lonely at night out here. And I said, tell me some of the most difficult experiences you ever had. He said, well, one time I had my sheep and a snake hurled up in front of me. And he said, I got my sheep out of the way. And he said, I was willing to have that snake bite me to protect my sheep. Then he said, another time robbers came to rob my sheep. And he said, you see this scar on my head? I said, yeah, I see that scar. He said, that's where they hit me in the head with a rock. I had to go to the hospital. But they didn't get my sheep. They didn't get my sheep. The good shepherd sacrifices for his sheep. And Jesus says to you, whatever it takes, I'm the good shepherd. Whatever sacrifice necessary to save you, I'm going to make. Whatever sacrifice necessary today to minister to your needs, I'm going to do. I'm there with you. I've got your back. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Fifth I am statement, John 11, verse 25. Seven I am statements, then we come to the text of the day. Seven great I am statements, John chapter 11, verse 25.
0: Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now,
1: once again, Pastor Mark Finley. Seven I Am statements, and then we come to the text of the day. Seven great I Am statements. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus there says, I am the resurrection in the life in other words what Jesus is saying is you're going to age and if Jesus doesn't come you're going to come to the end of your life one day the name in the obituary column is going to be yours and one day they're going to sing a hymn and they're going to roll that coffin into the church and that's going to be your dead body lying there and then they'll go eat potato salad and beans and say how good you were you better tell somebody how good they are in this life. Don't wait till they're lying in the grave where they can't hear it and they're eating the potato salad and beans after the church. And Jesus says, look, every one of us are going to face that someday if he doesn't come. And Jesus says, here's the incredible good news. I am the resurrection and the life. I conquered the tomb. I unlocked the grave. See, the seven I am statements, what are they saying? I'm the bread of life. I'm the one that can satisfy you. I'm the light of life. I'm the one that can give you direction in your future. I'm the door that I can unlock every door before you. I am the one who is the good shepherd. I've got your back. I'll never let you down. I'll be with you every second of your life. I am the resurrection and the life. You need not fear death because I've conquered the grave. 6. John 14, verse 6. John 14, verse 6. Jesus says, the sixth I am statement of Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is one of the most marvelous statements of Jesus, more often misunderstood because it's looked at superficially. Jesus says, I'm the way. But when you find me the way, I'm going to lead you into truth. And when you find the truth, it's to live the life. I am the way of salvation. But Jesus says, that's not enough. You find me as the way of salvation. But then I have so much more to reveal to you. So much more truth. And I want to guide you into the most abundant life possible as you discover more truth. So when we follow on Jesus the way, we can expect him to give us more truth. There's never a place where the Christian stays. He's always revealing more and more to us. I am the way, the truth. Why? So you live the life. And then we come to this marvelous statement in John chapter 15, the last of the I am statements, and we want to spend a few moments on this this morning. John chapter 15, John 15, we're looking there at verse 1 and 2. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, or he prunes it. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that he may bear more fruit. Now notice Jesus says, I am the vine. That was a very common expression to Israel. All through the Old Testament, Israel is mentioned as a vine. In fact, when the Jews came up on the Passover, or on any of the Jewish feasts to the temple, as you enter the temple, there was a large golden vine on the outside of the temple. And then there were large clusters of grapes the size of a man, reminding Israel that they were to be the true vine that was to produce fruit. Now, Isaiah talks about Israel as that vine. And to understand John chapter 15, we need to go back to Isaiah chapter 5. So take your Bible, go back to Isaiah chapter 5. Because if we're going to fully understand the true vine of John 15, we need to understand Isaiah 5. Here in Isaiah 5, Jesus is calling out to his people Israel. Isaiah the 5th chapter. And we're looking at verses 1 through 7. Jesus says in Isaiah 5 verse 1... ...now let me sing to my well-beloved... ...a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a fruitful hill. He dug it up, he cleared out its stones... ...he planted it with choicest vine. Now don't miss this. My beloved has a vineyard. What does the beloved do? He cleans the vineyard. He takes out the stones... So this is speaking about God attempting to do everything possible for Israel to bear fruit. Then he continues in verse 3. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and you. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not done it? So Jesus says, I've done everything for Israel. There's nothing more I could have done. I've done everything. In other words, he sent the prophets to warn them. He sent message after message. What could have been done that he didn't do? Then he says, why then? When I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now please tell me, what will I do to my vineyard? I'll take away its hedge. It'll be burned. I'll break down its wall. I'll lay it waste. Look at verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. So this is the story in Isaiah chapter 5 of a christ ...of incredible love, who wants to save Israel, but Israel rebels against everything he does. Jesus cries out to Israel, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've given you opportunity after opportunity. I've sent you message after message through my prophets. I've worked miracle after miracle for you. I've opened the Red Sea for you. I've drowned the Egyptians for you. I've rained manna down from heaven for you, Israel. I've fed you in the wilderness. Water has poured out of the rock for you. I've led you to the promised land. But you've turned your back on my love. You've spited my goodness. In the light of all those blessings, what more could I have done for you? It seems to me... That in this generation, to this man's heart, God is saying the same thing. He's saying, what more could I have done for you? I sent my Holy Spirit to your heart. What more could I have done for you? I've sent angels to bring you light. What more could I have done for you? I've sent you my word. What more could I have done for you? Oh, Israel, O oh, church, don't turn your back on me. Oh, church, don't walk away from me. Oh, church, don't let the tawdry pleasures of this world... ...destroy eternal life. Jesus seems to be saying to us today... ...what more, what more could I have done? Abide in me. Rest in me. Find refuge in me. As the branch abides in the vine... ...so abide in me. John 15, verse 2, we look at the text. The text is an appeal to Israel... ...and it's appeal to modern Israel... In the light of everything Christ has done, he left heaven. He tabernacled in human flesh. He experienced heartache and sorrow and poverty and disappointment. And the appeal of the living Christ, in the light of the sacrifice of Calvary, in the light of giving everything for us, the appeal of the living Christ is not to allow the cheap, tawdry pleasures of this world to turn us away from him. John 15, verse 1 and 2, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I'm interested in this verse. You see, what is fruit? What kind of fruit is he talking about? We get some help in Romans chapter 6, verse 22. Romans 6, verse 22. What kind of fruit is he talking about? When we read the Bible... ...we want to unpack the text... ...and not jump all over the Bible... ...but take a text and unpack it. What does that text mean? What's God saying through that text... ...to you and me today? Romans chapter 6... ...you're looking at there at verse 22. What kind of fruit is he talking about? Romans 6 verse 22. But now having been set free from sin... And having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Throughout the New Testament, the fruit has to do with character. We remember in Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long suffering. So what Jesus is doing in your life and mine is working with us in a way so that we produce the fruits of character. In fact, what he's looking for is a character that reflects his image. What he's looking for is the lush fruit of patience and graciousness and unselfishness and kindness and compassion on a loving character. Not the brown-spotted, rotting fruit of sharpness and impatience and self-centeredness and egotistical, inflexible, me-first, proud arrogance. What Jesus is looking for is loving characters that produce the fruit of righteousness in their life. Now, how is that fruit produced? Jesus is a divine harvester. Jesus is a divine harvester. And he's a gardener. And here, the gardener tells us how he's going to produce fruit. Sometimes, the gardener has to do some pruning. Sometimes, the gardener has to do some cutting. What does he say? Verse 2, every branch, John 15, in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. So if you are a fruit bearer for Jesus, and he's developing the fruit of your character, what can you expect him to be doing? You can expect him to be doing some pruning. Now, the divine pruner begins to prune away in our lives. Now, I am not going to pretend to be any great gardener. And every time I use a gardening illustration, I have to be careful. But when my wife and I, early in our lives, we always have had teams of people living in our home. You know, I mean, six people, eight people, you know, because we're always training young people, and we're always trying to mentor people. And one of the nice things about looking back over 50 years of ministry is being able to see all these young people and the places they're in today. It's just very satisfying for us. But early in the time, we were existing on one pastoral salary. We had one salary. My wife wasn't working. We had two kids, third kid on the way. And I had About, I don't know how many, Tini, were living in our home in New England at that time. Seven, eight, seven people beside our family. So we had, you know, 11, 12 people in our home. And it was interesting to eat with us during those years, you know. So because of that, we had to do a lot of gardening. We would put up 3,000 quarts of fruits and vegetables a year. 3,000. Because, I mean, how are we going to feed this crew if we didn't do some work? So every Monday was gardening day.
0: Growing in Jesus is the name of today's Hope Lives 365 and you can go ahead and listen to the entire message online if you would like right now or you can join us tomorrow when we conclude this broadcast. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just a book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.